Amen. Gentlemen, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. It's an honor to be with you uh, on one of the hottest days we've had in the history of life in Sacramento. Yeah. And I tell you, I want to just ask for your applause for the guy who came and turned the air conditioner on this morning. Yeah. We love him. That's Chuck Howell. He's our director of operations. I'm so proud of all the work he does. And uh, especially, there he is right there, Chuck, AC guy right there. We are overjoyed today to begin a whole new series called Uncensored, Jesus Uncensored. We're going to walk this summer through the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived, Jesus himself. And this morning on the... Everybody loves the beginning of Jesus' message, what makes a happy dad. Here's the deal. Everybody loves a happy dad, right? Is that not a universal truth? Everybody loves a happy dad. So today we're going to talk about how do you become a happy dad? Or the question I'm going to ask is, how is God trying to move all of us into being more emotionally healthy people? We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. I love what President... Truman said about the Sermon on the Mount. President Truman said this, Harry Truman, about the Sermon on the Mount. I do not believe, he said, that there is a problem in this country or the world today which could not be settled if approached through the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you would like to hear a president say something like that today? Me too. Well, that's what he said. And here's the deal is that the Sermon on the Mount gives us contrary steps for achieving happiness. Contrary steps for us achieving happiness. And you know, Americans are not necessarily that happy these days. I mean, unless you're a warrior fan. uh, Americans are not necessarily, yeah, we got an attentive one there. Yeah, look at that. I love that. Love the passion. Good job, bro. But, you know, people are not necessarily happier. We're smarter, we're better educated, but we're not necessarily happier. I like what Ray Johnston says about mental health in our country. He said that in the 1960s, the average age where someone might experience onset depression was in their late 20s, 29 and a half. Today, young people as early as age 14 are struggling through the grind of hopelessness and depression. And so the question I'm asking is, okay, how does Jesus, how would Jesus today tell us, hey, what are the tricks to being consistently uh, happy in the midst of the fatigue we all face, in the midst of the, the long hours, in the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of whatever challenges we're having, what is, what is, how does Jesus coach us to really experience personal happiness? That's what I want to talk about today from the Beatitudes. I'm going to read eight of them. I'm going to focus on the last four today. Here they are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now where we're going to land today, blessed are the merciful. That's dad attitude number one, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. People are being persecuted globally. Blessed are you when people insult you. I mean, listen to this contrary living. Jesus is saying, people insulting you? That's great. (laughs) It's exciting. (laughs) Wow. They persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, he says. It's because of me. Persecution exists because of Jesus. The issue is Jesus. It's not you. It's not... It's Jesus. He owns that. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to let Jesus speak to dads today. We're going to call these not the Beatitudes. These are going to be called the dad attitudes. We're going to look at four of them. Four dad attitudes that I think will help us be better sons and better children of our heavenly father. If we can be a better child of our Heavenly Father, we can be a better physical dad or a better human being, period. Here's how we go. Number one, happy are the helpers. Happy are the helpers. Happy are the helpers. By the way, I'm moving this afternoon. Is anyone available to help me? Oh, this young gal just went, nope. (laughs) No, yeah, I like that. Me too, man. Unless it's Mountain Mike's Pizza, I ain't showing. Here's the deal. Happy are the helpers. Happy are the helpers. Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful because they're going to be shown mercy. It's not only a blessing, but it has a promise. What does it mean to be merciful? I think John Stott, a longtime a scholar who passed away a few years ago said it this way, mercy is concrete actions of compassion and sympathetic grace to those who are oppressed or to those who've sinned. We all fall short, no perfect people allowed. Showing mercy and generosity to people when they mess up. Showing mercy and generosity to people when they've not been gracious towards you is a big deal. 20 million people thought, This dad was a big deal. This is a true story. Check this out. All expenses paid 30 years ago with three packages of painkillers and one cup of veggie soup. Who was the doctor? It was the boy. What's Jesus saying? You show mercy? You're going to get it. Don't you, don't you want to be someone who receives mercy in your life? You're like, I don't need mercy until a cop pulls up behind me. Then all of a sudden, oh, jeez, my registration tags. Jesus, please. Or you're driving too fast in a construction zone, and there he is, or there she is. Oh, gosh, I need mercy. We need mercy. Jesus is saying, hey, contrary living is being a mercy giver. A a mercy giver. How do you do it? How do you become merciful? Because I think we're afraid to show mercy. I actually think we're not good at it. Philosophers who've actually evaluated the U.S. say, you guys aren't good at suffering. You don't know how to help the suffering. What's the key? A lot of times, a lot of us were like, I don't want to say something stupid, so I'm not going to say something at all. I'm not even going to spend time with it. I'm not going to talk with them. We avoid it. That's wrong. That's, that's, 
that's, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. How do you show mercy? It's real simple. You be there. You show up. You knock on the door. You call. And you say, anything I can do to help. There are people in your life that, are, that need mercy. I guarantee you. I, at a wedding last weekend, one of my friends was here. I went up to greet him. How you doing? Okay. His wife came up to me and said, you know what he's going through? I said, no. Stage four, pancreatic cancer, diagnosed in December, mid-40s. Oh, oh. Our nature is, oh, I don't know what to do. You just be there. You just get close. You just show up. Boy, I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that receives mercy. So what's the key as a dad? Be merciful. I mean, turn on the mercy button in your life and be generous to people, even when you don't feel like it, because here's the deal. Jesus probably didn't feel like it when he showed us mercy on the cross. We want to become a conduit of that kind of mercy. You'll never go wrong with that. You'll never go wrong with with loving people unconditionally. So happy are the helpful. I'm moving this afternoon. Who wants to help me? Did I change any minds? (laughs) No. Oh, we got one. Or are you just doing your hair? Sorry about that. Happy are the merciful. They're happy are the the helpers. They're gonna they're gonna be helped. Secondly, happy are the holy. Happy are the holy. Jesus said, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God." Here's the deal. God is not as concerned about your perfection as he is your connection. He wants you in relationship with him. And that's, that's not going to be that you're perfect. We have a slogan here, no perfect people allowed. If you came this morning and if you think you're perfect, we are going to disappoint you here at this church because none of us are. Except that one. Is that you in the back? <laughs> none of us are. So what about this idea of being pure in heart? Well, here's the deal. There's a real temptation as dads to want to be the perfect dad. I like what Robert Downey Jr., actor of uh, the Iron Man, says about being a perfect dad. When asked, do you want to be a hero to your sons? He says this, I don't want to be a hero. I just want to be a real human being for my sons, someone they can relate to. Um, That's hard enough. Being honest and real, I, I, I was going to say I live with my three sons. I have three sons that still live with me, and uh, there's a difference. And I, I, uh, I, I, in, I honestly enjoy the challenge of being real. I mean, not too real, but being real enough. When I say not too real, I mean, yeah, I don't need, you don't need detail there, but uh, just, yeah, you're welcome. That was a gift, yeah. Uh, but just giving them the chance to see that their dad isn't perfect, that their dad's still trying to become a better Christian. <laughs> yeah, I want them to know that. So that they can, and I want them to see, I, one thing I rejoice that my sons live with me is they get to see that, that their mother and I are becoming better Christians, better, a better married couple. They need to see that process. That comes by being connected. How do you, how do you be holy? So, so if, if, if being the perfect dad is out of the question, the other temptation is I want to be the perfect son. And here's the deal, or perfect daughter. It's just, perf- pure is not perfect. Pure is not perfect. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure is not perfect. Pure is honest. Being honest. 
And what we, what we say today is, and this is kind of your sermon in a sentence, is work on your relationship as a child of God. And it will deeply impact your role as a physical dad. Or for the non-dads, consider this. Work on your relationship as God's child, and it will deeply impact your role as mother, as grandmother, as mother. You're God's child. Here's the deal. We're not always going to be mothers and fathers. We're not always going to be husbands and wives. We're not always going to be pastors and, and uh, 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 whatever job you do. But we're always going to be God's children. We're always going to be God's child. So work on that relationship. And it will help every relationship you're in. How do you, okay, so how do you be pure in heart? What's the real trick? There's a trick. It's simple. Just be honest about who you are, where you're at. Never imagine the kind of honesty that I'm going to show you in this Verizon PGA golf tournament. 18th hole, half a million dollars on the line. Watch the honesty of this athlete. Honor, integrity, at face value, they're only words. second time round and I miss it by five yards left. Well a big question is does Brian Davis have a bunker shot off the beach? Of course it's a hazard, you can't touch any of the debris in there. He knows that. I looked at the ball and I was like, okay we got a shot. Rules official says to me first thing, just be careful the reads. I'm like, yep, thanks Lugger. Now I know the reads are not fixed. They're loose and I get over it and it's probably this far behind the ball and I don't think it's a problem because I got picked the club up. He may have had a violation back here. Watch out. You're kidding. He's calling it on himself. And as I come back down into the ball, I didn't actually see it, but I thought I saw the grass do this. Just bounce up and down. And I'm not 100% sure, but I just said to him, look, can you just check that on the camera? And uh, he put it into super, super slow-mo. And uh, you could see as I took the club away, it just brushed it, and it just moved up and down. Uh, it's just two-stroke penalty. Oh, okay. oh my and goodness. Good. This tournament is over. Where you are, okay? It was a very anti-climatic way to end, but he showed a lot of character, and I respect him for, for bringing it to everyone's attention. He said, I could not have lived with myself, and I not called it on myself. So he's, he's class, first class. What that actually cost me, you know, it wouldn't have changed what I, what I decided to do, but it turned out probably to be the one, one of the best things I've done. I know that I can go to sleep every night and not worry. And that's, that's the biggest thing for me, is the fact that I did the right thing, and it's a good lesson for my kids. There's been lots of guys done it, um, but obviously because it was live on national TV, it got highlighted. But there's been plenty of golfers that have done it before, and there'll be plenty of golfers that do it after us as well. Honour, integrity. At face value, they are only words. But when they become actions of our own accord, they reveal our true character. Wow. How many of you are like thinking right now, my golf handicap is way higher than I thought it was. I hit reads all the time when I play. But how about this idea? I can go to sleep at night because I've been honest. 
Does anything keep you up at night because you're not being honest? You, you just, it's just too hard to be honest, just to just tell someone, this is what I'm struggling with. Maybe you're just a few words away from the kind of purity in heart and experiencing God that you want just because a few words need to come from your mouth today. Maybe today's the day you say, hey, I need to be honest with you, God. Boom. In, in the privacy of a prayer moment, we'll have at the end of service. You just need to say, honest to God, I need help here. Show mercy to me. Maybe that's you. Uh, maybe there's just something that's been in your side like a, like, a, like a thorn that you just need to be honest about today. There's freedom and honesty. There's purity of heart. Nothing like it. Nothing like that kind of freedom. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Happy are the holy. They're going to see God. Thirdly, happy are the healers. Jesus said that peacemakers are healers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. A peacemaker, according to Andrew McGirt, peacemaker is uh, the person whom Jesus blesses, seeks to reconcile. Not by pretending that there are not differences or by suppressing differences, but by creating love of the other that transcends differences or that permits people to join hands in spite of differences. That's a peacemaker. Who's, who's in your life right now with whom you do not have peace? Would it be possible for you to do life with them hand in hand without seeing eye to eye? Can, can you be hand in hand with someone without seeing things eye to eye? I think so. I think you can be. It's called unconditional love. And that's what, that's what uh, Jesus is trying to move us towards. Uh, I remember uh, just last week I was downtown taking my family out uh, for dinner. And uh, I found the perfect parking spot. And I looked. There was no one there. Pulled out, got it. Guy drove by and felt it need, necessary to comment on my driving. Uh, he just blared it out. And uh, I'm such a devoted Christ follower that I was like, oh, bless you. And I was like, dude, you want some? Come on back here. Let's talk a little bit. Yeah. I forget that I'm not 20, yeah, and that I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I don't want to get written up for pastor gets in fight downtown. It's just not good PR for Jesus. So I, he went on, and I kind of smiled. You know, I just gave a little, little nod. And uh, I thought I saw him park right at the restaurant where I was headed. And I was like, what if he kind of comes, you know, like wants to, you know, bounce or whatever. I was like, I ain't doing nothing. I'm walking away. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be loving. Peacemaking is not always easy. Uh, it sometimes takes tremendous sacrifice I was reminded of the, the, uh, the awful dictator, Idi Amin, in Uganda uh, and his, his atrocities. In the 1970s, one of our own adventurers, uh, Fred Kiama, who's no longer uh, here at Adventure, uh, but he used to share the story when he was a middle school student, it was not unusual throughout the course of the year to see students stop attending class in the middle of the year. And I said, well, why? He said, because they were being abducted. They would just disappear. You wouldn't see them anymore. 
And no one would say anything, no one would complain, because everyone was paranoid that if they started complaining or protesting, that their family would be next. This pastor, Festus Crevenger, bishop, represented all the Christian leaders in Uganda and sent Idi Amin a letter saying, please stop, in God's name, please stop. And Idi Amin responded by killing his best friend and colleague. And so uh, Bishop Festus uh, ran away, went off into rural Uganda, and uh, was extremely angry, and he felt convicted that he, was, he had lost any love for this dictator. And so he wrote a book called, I Love Idi Amin. <laughs> yeah. Struggling with love in your life? <laughs> Maybe you need to write a book <laughs> about the person you're struggling with and why they deserve God's love. How many of you are not in for that? Not today. Maybe tomorrow. He, he wrote a book. And he said it changed. He said that God's spirit was really prompting him that he was too bitter, too angry. And it was getting in the way of his happiness. And so he felt compelled to write a book about how he loved this man that killed his best friend and killed a lot of other people. Blessed are the healers. Can you become a healer? Will you do it? Who's God put in your life that, with whom you do not have peace? Let me tell you, when we face Jesus someday, I think we're going to be just overwhelmed by, by his love. But perhaps, I don't know this for certain, we'll look back and think, man, I could have been a better healer. I could have been better connected with God. I could have been a better helper. Why wasn't I willing to mourn with people? Why wasn't I willing to pursue connection with God? Why wasn't I willing to heal people? People with whom I don't see eye to eye, eye to eye, but I can live life hand to hand. How do you do this? I think one of the reasons that we struggle to show mercy, we struggle to be peacemakers, we struggle in every regard is that we don't know how loved we are. We really don't. I don't think we know how loved we are. When we get it that we're loved extravagantly by our Heavenly Father, it empowers us to live this kind of miraculous, happy life, this contrary life of forgiveness and unconditional, non-performance love. you got to be, you got to know you're loved. When you're loved, you can do incredible, incredible things. You can be, it'll, it'll change your life. Ernest Hemingway's story uh, tells the story of this father who had been estranged from his son for, uh, for decades. And he hadn't seen his son in a long time. He went to the Madrid printing press in Madrid, Spain, and took out a full-page article that said, Paco, come home, all is forgiven. <laughs> Meet me at the... 1,200 Pacos from Spain showed up. Here's the point. When you know you're loved and all is forgiven, it changes your heart and you become a distributor of that kind of love. You become a peacemaker. Why is this difficult? I don't think we realize how much we're loved. 
Happy are, happy are the healers. Finally, happy are the harassed. Doesn't that sound exciting? Happy are the harassed. Listen to Jesus' language. Blessed are, are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs, is, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pause. Minister of Parliament over the Liberal Democratic Party in Britain, Tim Farron resigned last week. He said this was why. He said, I'm a Christian. I don't impose my Christian values on my policy. But it appears that right now, I'm not able to even serve as a Christian because of the kind of scrutiny I'm under for his Christian values. That's too bad. I wish you would have hung in there. Because there's a blessing when you're able to hang in there under insult and persecution and false statements. The, the problem people are having deeply with, with Christianity is really it's Jesus and his teachings. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now let's just pause here. You might be saying, ah, this kind of persecution is pie in the sky. It's not. It's happening, it's happening in Egypt big time right now. The Coptic Church of Alexandria, Egypt, which was established in the first century by the author of the letter we have in the New Testament, John Mark. Mark, that church has been experiencing chronic persecution. Did you see the bus that was shot up last month? That's happening right there in Egypt. All Christians just isolated and, and terrorized. Persecution happens, and when, it, when you're under that kind of pressure and persecution, because of Jesus, it's all because they're Christians. It's not because they're bigoted or unpleasant or um, ungracious Christians like we have in the United States. These are fully committed Christ followers that are paying a price because of their faith in Jesus. When you have that kind of oppression, you can understand Jesus' language. Your reward is in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before us. The prophets were all persecuted in Jerusalem. Many of them died there because of their sharing God's word. This oppression is, I think it's, uh, it's growing in our country. It's, uh, and sometimes I think it, it has kind of uh, pruned the church from this kind of uh, Christianity in the U.S. that is uh, judgmental. And unpleasant. Um, I think as Christians, straight up, I think we got to admit sometimes we're the persecutors. Seriously. Sometimes we're the persecutors of political figures. We're critical and poking them all the time. We do it online. I think it's wrong. I think we need to be praying for all of our leaders. I think we Christians can be persecutors of the church. For real. Uh, where we're, we're saying, oh, I don't like that church, we, stuff like this. They're just a show. I hear this stuff. I don't hear it actually about adventure because we're perfect, but I know that people, <laughs> we're not, no perfect people allowed. But I do hear it about some of the other churches. Oh, they're, they're just a show. Really? <laughs> or they're, they're, uh, all they ask for is money. Okay. Uh, or uh, all those people are hypocrites. Well, yes, we are. We're working on it. We're in recovery. Uh, <laughs> That all these, all those Christians are, um, they're fake, you know, whatever. I think, and then you ask them, oh, what church have you found that's really worked for you where you're really growing in Jesus? Oh, I don't go to church. Oh, really? 
funny. That's surprise, surprise, surprise. So your gift is just giving your opinion. You're, is anyone paying for that, by the way? You making money on that? No. Okay, I'm being a little sarcastic. Uh, but my point is that sometimes I think persecution comes from within the church. We just get critical. It's unhealthy. Don't, don't be critical. Don't be critical. It's not, not good. It doesn't work. Uh, rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward that is in heaven. I learned something about someone who really was a peacemaker. Uh, I'd never heard this story about him before. Eric Lytle, you remember this athlete? Some of you uh, boomers and extras will know this story better, but in 19, here's a quick story. In 1926, Eric Lytle uh, was unwilling at the Paris Olympic Games to run the 100-yard the, the dash, even though he was slated to win. He was unwilling to run it because it was on a Sunday. He had, he had boundaries, okay? And uh, they said, all right, you can run the 400. Somebody switched with him. He ran the 400, crazy, not even trained for the 400. He was hundreds of seconds off breaking the world's record. For the 400. In fact, he almost broke the world record in the opening 200 of the 400. The guy was ridiculous. As soon as he was done, he finished college and he went and became a missionary in China, where he died at age 45, working with the Chinese. When the Chinese were being um, were were at war with Japan, Japan opened up an intern camp in Waifeng, uh, Shandong. For those of you that have Asian background, please forgive me for that pronunciation. And when he was there, I'd never heard this factoid. Prime Minister of England, Winston Churchill, offered, offered Eric Lytle a prisoner exchange because he knew he was sick. Anyone ever hear that? Thank you, even if you didn't, weren't honest. I'm glad I didn't. Not that behind. Prime Minister Winston Churchill offered Eric Lytle an opportunity through the Japanese government for a prisoner exchange. Lytle declined, gave up that opportunity to someone who needed it more, and then died shortly after. Here's a guy that was willing to suffer. Here's a guy that was willing to, to endure hardship, who passed away in his mid-40s for the gospel, was willing to be persecuted, and was deeply loved, and is still venerated in, in the world today. Humble man. Happy, happy are the harassed. This is what John Stott, incredible theologian, says about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, the dad attitudes. He says, the one who's blessed by God is Jesus. And those whom he blesses are those who take on his ways. His manners and his love and extend it to others. Jesus was poor and humble. Jesus burned up his days pursuing righteousness and justice. And Jesus created God's peace everywhere he went. Okay? Next slide, please. But paradoxically, his kind of love is so sacrificial it cost him his life. So that learning to read the Beatitudes in their Jewish context must give way to reading them in the context of the crucified. You live a life of contrary living. You live a life where you choose to be a helper. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You live that life, you make the choice to be there for others. You live a life of pursuing connection with God, purity of heart by being honest. 
you live a life of being a healer, a peacemaker, and uh, uh, really showing God's love, being beloved, living like you know you're loved. And finally, you live a life of willing of a willingness to be harassed. I, I think sometimes our young people, I've talked to my sons about this, I think sometimes our young people face a lot of, a lot of marginalization, a lot of criticism for pursuing sexual abstinence. That's like a no-no. Agreed? <laughs> You're going to be sexually abstinent? What do you mean? That's like a no-no. That's stupid. <laughs> or you're not going to drink alcohol <laughs> illegally? What's wrong with you? <laughs> or you're going you're gonna to do the right thing at work and work hard? Dude, are you, is something wrong with you? <laughs> That's the world. You're going to get marginalized. You're going to be dismissed. One church in Ireland is known very, in the last 20 years, they were seeing people get dismissed from their place of employment because of their faith values. One couple wrote a big check, $100,000 to the church, just to help fund employees who were dismissed because of their faith in Jesus. The standard's high. How do we endure this harassment that we may experience? Find great confidence in being God's child. I'm not always going to be a father. I'm not always going to be a husband. I'm not always going to be a pastor. You're not always going to be an employee, but you're always going to be God's child. Grow in that. Grow in that. I heard this final quote from Dan Zevin said this. He said, as I grow older, I think he's in his 40s, he said, I hear a lot of guys saying, oh, no, I can tell I'm turning out to be just like my dad. To which Dan Zevin said, my fear is that I'm not going to be just like my dad because I love him and I respect him and I hope I can be like him. Dads, it's an honor to be with you today. It's hard being a dad these days. How's the Spirit speaking to you today? What's he saying to you about being there? What's he saying to you about working on your relationship as a spiritual child so that you, it can deeply impact your role as a, as a physical dad? About being there, about being honest, about being beloved, about being God. I'm excited today, Father. That's where I want to see you headed this week. I'm excited today, Father's Day. I was asked to pick, I wasn't asked. I told everyone where I wanted to eat lunch. It's the best place in Sacramento. There's not a finer restaurant. It's the Shell Station, the Mexican food in there. That's where I want to be, baby. It's cheap, it's fast. Do it. But more than that, I just want to I just want to be the person God wants me to be. Don't you? I want to be happy. I don't care about my house or my cars or all that kind of fluff. I want this right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the honor of being with dads. We love them. We respect them. They mean so much to us. Help, help us dads just, just uh, be there and be, become people of mercy. Become people of mercy. How many of you dads would say today with every eye closed, hey, I need to become more merciful. There's not an ounce of mercy in me. Anybody here? Like, I need to grow in that area.
Okay, I see a few of you. Good. And how about this idea of being honest with God? I wonder if there's a few of you that are like, I just, I'm not sleeping at night because I got some stuff I'm not willing to be honest about. If that's you, my prayer is that God will give you the courage to know you're his child and to know he's going to love you in the midst of your desire to be connected with him and to be honest. And I wonder how many dads are here that just aren't, there's someone in your life you're not at peace with. You're not seeing eye to eye with. But you need to take the next step of doing life hand to hand. How many of you would say, there's somebody in my life I need to take the next step with? Nothing's going to get better till I do something. Anybody here? Raise your hand. Several of you. Good. Be at peace with all men as long as it is possible with you. And finally, there may be one person that's experiencing some employment or uh, residential um, persecution of some sort. How many of you just need to rest in the fact that you're loved, you're God's child, and it's going to be okay? Is there someone here that's going through something like that where you're feeling harassed? Yes, ma'am, I see one person, another. Okay. God, I just pray your spirit would give great courage to our adventurers to be your child and to live the happy life that isn't about our material possessions. It's not about our achievements. It's about our relationship with you and the people we love. In Jesus' name, may this be a happy Father's Day. Amen.